0: Uh, but man, we'll be closing out chapter 5 uh, today. Uh, so w- last time we, we were with, uh, w- with the text, we saw uh, Moses and Aaron um, gather the Israelites together. Uh, and the the elders of the Israelites and the Hebrew slaves um, uh, in Egypt together, and he uh, preached the message that the Lord had given him to those elders and to those people, Uh, boldly preached that to those people. We saw uh, the people hear the word of the Lord, uh, they respond in belief, and that led to worship. This is why we're doing what we're doing today, uh, LifePoint. This is why we go uh, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, um, through books of the Bible. Because we believe in the sufficiency and the authority of Scripture. We believe that the Lord uh, knows exactly what we need to hear. He meets us in our position where we need uh, to hear Him. He intervenes in our lives at the right time because He is sovereign. Amen? Right? And so that's why our our, our number one uh, core value here at LifePoint is that we're going to honor the Word. Uh, Here in this room, we're going to honor the word. In our student ministry, I'll give you uh, my commitment that, that we're going to honor the word. Uh, we're going to be a people that uh, that lift up God's word above culture, above relevance, uh, and, and and that's and that's why we're doing this today. That's why we dealt with obscure passages like we did uh, last week with Lin Fagley is here, our campus pastor from Brussels, and today he's at our Stewart's Creek campus. Um, and so, uh, man, just incredible t- opportunity, and I'm humbled to be here today uh, to 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 do this. And so, if you don't mind, can we just pray? together before we dive back into text today. Father, we thank you for this opportunity, God. We thank you uh, to uh, have the opportunity to open your word. We thank you that you gave it to us, God. We trust it. We know that you have a word for us today, Father. My prayer is that you would be honored in this place, um, that you would speak to us, uh, that, God, you would call men and women to yourself, uh, and that, Father, you would be uh, put on display um, through our gathering today. God, we love you. We thank you for this time. It's in your name we pray. Uh, amen. Amen. So Moses and Aaron have had, have been given this task, this incredible message and task to go before Pharaoh, uh, the most powerful man uh, on earth at the time, and, and to go before him and ask for the deliverance of his entire workforce, okay? It's had incredible economic impact, uh, and so it was not met with uh, with the same acceptance they just uh, had with the with the Hebrews, right? So if you're at Nissan, uh, don't get all jacked up in this room and go run to your boss and tell him you want the whole line to take off for the rest of the week, right? Uh, it, it's, it's not for that purpose, okay? So, uh, but anyway, uh, we're going to dive in verse one. Here we go. It says, afterward, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord. This is the most epic verse in the book of Exodus. and In my opinion, one of the most epic verses in all of the Old Testament. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may ha- hold a feast to me in the wilderness. Okay. Now there's something I want you to kind of underline, highlight, however you want to do this, uh, so it stands off of your page. Uh, Thus says the Lord. Underline that. Okay. Thus says the Lord. Isn't this epic? This this verse right here. When I re, when I read this this week in in preparation, every time I read it, Moses looks instantly like Gerard Butler. He's got like giant arms. He's ripped up. He looks like you know Gerard Butler off 300. If you've never seen the movie, right? I mean, he is the bomb. Okay, he busts into the Egyptian courts. He goes before the most powerful man and says, "Listen, let my people go." But he doesn't say, "Let my my people go," because this is my message and this is this is my agenda. Does he? If you notice, he says, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. Thus says the Lord. Notice where his bold uh, proclamation roots out of. Right? Where, where the source of his, uh, of his sending, the source of the, the power behind his message is not rooted in his, his uh, um, resume, it's not rooted in his past experience. It's rooted in who? The Lord, the God of Israel. This is incredible. This is uh, something that we need to always understand today. When we, as believers, this is our calling. That we present the message of God boldly because it's not, it's, we're not sent in our own strength. We're sent in the strength of the Lord. Right? The message of the gospel is to be presented to those that do not know him. And we're to do that boldly because we're not going in our own strength. We're not going in, in our own ability. We're not trying to conjure up or persuade or coax anybody into anything. We've talked about this all through Romans that the Lord is sovereign and that God is responsible for saving men and women. So what that means is, is that we don't need to, to worry about the results, right? Regardless of, of the outcome, obedience is our concern. Obedient to God's calling on our lives is our concern. And as we're obedient, despite the outcome, God is going to work His plan for our good and His glory. That's our bottom line today. So if you have that little card, you can rip that thing off, stick it in your Bible, and and, and we'll see what the Lord has for us. Verse 2 says this. But Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? That's crucial that we pick up on what's going on here. Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord. And moreover, I will not let Israel, go. Then they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their works? He's concerned with the economic impact this is going to have on his kingdom. Get back to your burdens. And Pharaoh said, Behold the people of the land are now many, and you make them rest from their burdens. you know in high school, believe it or not, uh, I was a football player okay and a baseball player. Uh, I was five foot eight, one hundred and forty pounds, so not much has changed uh, but uh <laughs> Besides my waistline, uh, but uh, that's married life. I'll let you. Okay, but anyway, so so here, if you know anything about sports, right? Um, those of you I know, a lot of you have. if You know anything about sports? Uh, There's something's crucial to a team, and that's a good hype man right? Uh, whether that's your coach, I, I had this one coach in particular that would come up before games, uh, and, and man, it didn't matter who was on the field, right? If we were playing, uh, you know, the Al, Al- well, no, Alabama's not very good, but if we were playing the Vols, right? Like, it wouldn't matter if it was our freshman squad. We were ready to go, you know? Uh, I mean, we were pumped up. We could feel like we could take on the world, but the reality hadn't changed that, that I was still five foot eight and hundred and forty pounds. Like I, I had more business on the back of Sea Biscuit, right, than I did in in a you know in, in a football uniform. I looked like a jockey, not a jock, okay? Right? And so but and so what happens to me at times is our hype, uh, because of certain situations in our life can sometimes skew the reality of what what's going on. Right? And, and, and this is what's happened in this text. They've just gotten a meeting with the Hebrew slaves. They've had incredible success. Revivals broke out. They're singing, We Believe, and they're swaying out in the desert and all this stuff. They're hearing this preaching, believing. They're worshiping. All this stuff's going on. So they bust up in the, the Hebrew, I mean, in the Egyptian courts and ask Pharaoh, the most powerful man on the planet at the time, to let their people go, Israel go. But they're not met with the same acceptance. Right, quickly reality sets in. Quickly reality is going to set in. Pharaoh shuts him down. There's an important lesson in this passage, I think, I want to point out as we're kind of trekking through this. and just As we're trusting the Lord and His sovereignty over the Scripture, uh, we kind of get to a point, And I think there's a, something that we need to hear here. And I want to, I want to show you this in, in verse 2. we we'll go back to verse 2 real quick. It says, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice, and let Israel go. When it comes to the rejection and the resistance that we oftentimes face in our obedience to sharing the gospel, in our obedience to sharing the gospel, it's important in this text we see that that the pushback that we're experiencing, the resistance that you're experiencing, the the opposition that you experience many times, is not an attack on you personally. Right? If you notice, Pharaoh didn't say, Moses. Who are you that I should obey your voice? Right, who who are you that I should listen to you? Who are you should I, that I should do as you say? is who is the Lord? Who is the Lord that I should obey His voice? See, the issue with this passage is is that this is not a intellectual dilemma. Okay, this is not a uh, some kind of a an intellectual dilemma or, or, or an ignorance issue. Okay? What we're doing here is, is with uh, a heart condition. It, it's, a, it's a suppression of the truth. We talked about this in, in, in Romans, right? That, that this debased mind, non-believers, those who do not surrender to Christ as Lord, they have this debased mind. They've been given over to this suppression of the truth. They know the truth. Right? Pharaoh knew the truth. Right? He knew exactly who the Lord was. Right? But, but he had suppressed that truth. He he thought, I am king in Egypt. I am the king of of this kingdom. I am God of Egypt. I'm the Lord over this situation, over my life. I am the Lord. He suppressed the truth when he said, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? And and many times, I wanted to point out that it's not a personal attack because sometimes we, we, many times, if any of you that that work with people that don't share the same faith as you, or maybe I know I've worked in di- different situations before I got uh, full got to come on full time ministry. Uh, that man, I, I worked in different situations where I worked with people that did not go to church. They were not God fears. They they did not serve the Lord in any any way, form, or fashion. Okay. Or speech, okay? And, and many of you know this. Uh, and I, Sometimes I would catch myself as I would uh, just got saved. I was on fire for the Lord. God was doing incredible work in, uh, in and through uh, the situation in our church, in my life. I was seeing just fruit and stuff, and, and I was sharing this with them, and I was getting incredible pushback. And many times what happens was when I, fu- when I got that pushback, I would withdraw. I would sideline myself. I would say, you know, I, I, that th- accept- the acceptance... Is more important than the obedience, All right? The the uh, the appeal, the being included, the perception is more important than the obedience. And so it, it caused me many times to withdraw and to sideline myself. But I want to I encourage this because I know this is the case throughout this room uh, in, in many different ways. In the students that are in this room, I know, I know of several situations. Cause I'm not too far removed from that issue. But I want to encourage you that, that the attack is not against you. When, when we experience opposition to the gospel many times, the opposition is, is towards the Messiah behind the message. It's not the messenger. Okay, don't, don't think so highly of yourself and sideline yourself because someone uh, rejected you. Right? Christianity has always been abrasive. It's always been caused friction. Right? There will always be pushback. Right? And we need, to be, uh, we need to learn from this that, that the beef is not with you, the beef is with the Lord. Okay? The problem's not with the messenger. It's the Messiah. Okay? It's the Messiah. Amen. Uh, <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, you know, in, in Egyptian culture, another thing you need to know about this, uh, when he says, who is the Lord that, that I shall obey his voice? In Egyptian culture, Pharaoh thought of himself as an incarnation of deity. He he, he literally thought he was a god. Right? He, he, he literally thought he was a god. And, and, and this is consistent of this entire text in Exodus, that there's this cosmic battle going on. Who will be the king in Egypt? Who will be the God in Egypt? Who will have the throne in the hearts of men, right? But this is not just seen in the book of Exodus. We see this in our culture and both culturally and personally, don't we? Right, culturally, this, is, this has been played out all over the news, all over the place, right? That there has been this massive decline, and we can see this, this massive decline, this migration away from biblical reverence, Right? By and large, we are not a nation, well, not by and large, we are not a nation under God any longer. By and large, we are a nation that does not fear the Lord. We have no, we have no reverence for the Lord. His word is a relic in the hearts of men. Now, that, now there's always a remnant. There's always a remnant, and God's not surprised by this. Okay, but culturally, we've seen this migration. And, and culturally, what we're seeing play out is exactly what Paul wrote, what he penned in Romans 1, a kind of unfolding. We're seeing this suppression. Right, that's what this whole Planned Parenthood, we're seeing this suppression. This racial tension in our culture, we're seeing this suppression. This sexual sin being, being pl- placed on a public platform and glorified. This suppression, this debased mind continually. We're seeing this kind of come to fruition. Right? And you may have seen this personally if you watched the ESPYs, uh, the ESPY awards, the sports awards show that was last week sometime. I can't remember when. Right? Right? Sandwich between. Okay? The best baseball player to ever live and wear a uniform, Derek Jeter, my man. Go Yankees. All right? And, and the... The award for best male athlete, which was given to uh, a a God-fearing man, Steph Curry, right? Which I'm a little heated about because LeBron James should have got it. Uh, But just saying, hit my email up later. Okay, Uh, right sandwiched between this situation, we saw sexual sin, sexual deviancy placed on a platform and glorified called Courageous. We are not a nation under God. We're a nation that does not fear the Lord. But I don't just see this played out at a macro level. This is both personal as well. And I want to be very honest with you guys. Personally, there are areas of my life today where I I find myself, and I have to, for my own sanctification, I have to war against these things and say there is this area of my life that, that wants to be king in my kingdom, that wants to be God in my life. And for all of us in this room, what we have to do for our personal pursuit of Christ, and as we're pursuing the Lord and wanting to be more and more like Him, we have to see, and by the help of the Holy Spirit, I want you to understand, you're not going to be able do this alone. Through the Holy Spirit and through the reading of His Word every morning, say, God, show me whatever area of my life I'm placing a crown on. Show me what area of my life I've not surrendered to you. Show me what area of my life wants to be God and purge it. Get rid of it. Help me to be strong enough to remove that thing, to lay that at your feet. See, that's both culturally and personally, we're seeing this suppression. We're seeing many times this this kind of cosmic tension, right? Who will be God? Who will be God? And we see that played out in in verse 2 through 5 right? When Moses goes to, the Lord, to, to Pharaoh and he says, Pharaoh, let my people go. Pharaoh says, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? Suppression of the truth. It's rejection of God. I am God. That's what he claims. I am God. And so what we see, for the sake of time, I'm going I'm to story a block of passages here uh, because really our, what we're going to do today is kind of bracket one through five and then I'm going to pick up uh, down at the bottom in verse 21 through the end of chapter five, okay? So from 6, to nine, uh, six, 6 to 19. I'm going I'm to read this or kind of story this for you, okay? What happens is, Moses goes to Pharaoh. He's rejected. Alright? Uh, and Pharaoh, as as a result of this uh, request, he lowers the boom on the Israelites. So the Israelites are out and they're making bricks. And he tells the foreman and the taskmasters, he gets them together, the ones that were in charge of these Israelite slaves. And he tells the, tells the men to take the straw that they used to gather for the Israelites as they were making bricks and, and don't gather it anymore. They have to go get it for themselves so that they increase this burden on the people and so the people would have to meet a quota. Alright? But the quota was not lowered even though the hardship was increased. So the, the Israelites are, are mad. They're having to work harder. He, uh, uh, Pharaoh's whole plan in this whole thing was that by increasing hardship they would have less time to listen to their preaching and and to worry about worship and worry about the things of the Lord and try to serve him because they would be too concerned with trying to meet this quota and and the the weight becomes too much and the foremen which were Hebrew people, right? The the, the foremen that were in charge of the Israelites were Israelites. And so you can see this tension. The foremen are then pulled away and they're beat because the men are not making this quota. And so the foreman and the taskmasters all come to, to Moses and Aaron, and they turn their sights on them. And this is what we see when we pick up verse twenty. It says this: They met Moses and Aaron. This is the, the taskmasters and the foreman. Okay, they met Moses and Aaron, who were waiting for them as they came out from Pharaoh. It says, and they said to them, "The Lord look on you and judge, because you have made a stink." in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants, and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. So you, you're trying to be obedient, but you're you're causing more pain for these people. I have lash marks on my back because of your obedience. He so said, you've placed a sword in their hand to kill us. Verse 22. Verse 22. I guess we're going to get there. Verse 22 says this. It says, then Moses turned to the Lord and said, O oh Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? Why did you ever send me? And so the question we, we, kind of dilemma we come to in the text is this. You see, Moses and Aaron, we can look at this passage, we can say, okay, so the, they're being obedient and the people are, are, are being punished. So, so maybe Moses and Aaron were not being obedient. Now, I don't want you to get that confused. They were being obedient. They were boldly proclaiming the message of God. They were preaching to Pharaoh, okay? This, This message that he had given him for deliverance of his people. When the Hebrews are being persecuted even harder. And so the question we have to ask ourselves is this. How can obedience to the Lord lead to still greater suffering in the hearts of his people? Hearts and lives of his people. This is not just an exodus. This is playing out in your life today. How is it that in this season of your life maybe you've been serving the Lord harder than ever, you've been more faithful with your finances more than ever, ever, but your husband just lost his job. Or Maybe you've been serving the Lord more than ever, you've been more committed to your small group, you're committed to the church, you're leading at a high level in whatever ministry you're involved in, yet your wife or your dad or a family member has just gotten cancer. And I want to be very sensitive in this room today that I can't even imagine the hurt that you go through. Nor am I I saying this from a position here down. This message is preaching to me today. But the question we have to ask ourselves is, how is it that a good and just and loving and sovereign God who loves His people, we just got done saying that, a good, good Father, how is it that a good, good Father can allow evil, pain, and hurt, and trials in the life of his people. That's the dilemma. And let me just, I want to be very clear with you. This is not a topic that we're going to be able to exhaust by any stretch of the imagination today, okay? This is a larger question that, that we, even in seminary, to, that we're, we're right, we write papers about, we have debates about, all kinds of things. But what I do know is this, it every trial that we go through, every hardship that we go through, every pain that we experience, whether it's cancer, whether it's loss, whether it's financial stress, whatever the situation, it serves a greater purpose for our good and for His glory without delay. For our good and His glory. And suffering looks different for everyone in this room. And we... We've talked about that. Some of you in here are, are dealing with financial stress. Some of you in here, your kids are rebelling. Some of you in here, it's you're being uh, having maybe some kind of extreme persecution by American standards. I want to say that uh, in your in your workplace. Some of you in here have uh, it, you're, you're stressing about what 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 your career holds, or you've you know experienced you whatever. You fill in the blank. There's an endless list that we could unravel in this room today. Right, and I understand that everything looks different, but, but the, the truth that we need to understand here today, and this is really going to be a, uh, something that we need to kind of blanket this entire talk with, is that there is a sovereign God who holds it all. Okay, if we, if we will understand before we approach any situation, before we try to make sense of anything, that there is a God who is sovereign, It changes the lens by which we look at every situation in our life. He is working everything for our good, for our good, in His glory. So the question that's probably come up as I said that is Matt, how is my cancer for my good? How is that loss for my good? How is the fact I cannot keep my lights on for my good? Let me just read this passage to you. First, Peter, I'm going to let the Holy Spirit speak to us through this. It says, Therefore, let those who suffer, every one of us in this room, to some degree or another, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Those who suffer, whatever your suffering is, you fill in the blank. Let those who suffer, and I want you to understand this, and this is crucial, according to God's will. It's not arbitrary. There is no event in your life that is arbitrary, and God is not surprised by it. In fact, it was God's will that you would walk through it. Why? Why? And it says that he's still a faithful creator. So why? What is he trying to show me in this season? You see, I believe that the Lord takes us through suffering, according to His Word. I believe the Lord takes us through suffering, He allows us to experience hardship and trials and persecution and different things like that for for a reason that we're seeing play out in this text today. You see, there's this cosmic battle going on for the attention of men. right, Pharaoh says, I am God, what the Lord's doing right now is He's allowing His people to go through a, a very difficult situation. Because he's fixing to draw all eyes to himself. He's fixing to get the attention of his people. And here's what I know. Many of you may have surrendered your life to, to the Lord and you were, you bought into the wrong biblical view of Christianity. Only, Actually, let me say that. There's only one biblical view of Christianity. and And that is not that when you surrender your life to the Lord that you're going to get a raise, and security, and a savings account, but you're going to get a Savior. That's the biblical view of Christianity. It's not that your life will be better. In fact, you can go on and look. You look at the disciples. It didn't end good for any of them. None of them. Look at martyrs from today and days past. The message of Christianity, biblical biblical Christianity is not that you're going to get a better life. Christianity is always met with suffering. Always. The message of the Bible is that you get Jesus. What if we were a people that said, listen, I will embrace this suffering. And I I, I know that's tough to say. It's tough to say I will embrace this loss in my life. or, or, Or this cancer that I'm battling right now. But what if we didn't? Maybe embrace is not the word. Maybe it's that we'll lean into the Lord during this time, and, and maybe through because we understand that God is sovereign, that God is bigger than, and He holds every situation. That He was not, He was not surprised by this thing in my life. That we would lean into Him and say, "Lord, my attention is on You. Show me what You want me to know. Direct my eyes to You, God." He's fixing to get the attention of His people, and maybe in your life today He's getting your attention. Maybe today your, your God has been your family, or your God has been your job, and He removed that thing from you so that you would place your eyes only on Him. Our God is a jealous God. He, we say this sometimes, it's hard for us to understand this, but He, said, he, is, a, he is a God that is for Himself. He's for His glory. And when we're in a place, and we are dragged sometimes into a place where we, maybe it's our health is, is, is being dragged in the mud, our family's being dragged in the mud, our, our, our career is being dragged in the mud, when we're in a place where we have no security blanket, there's no safety handle, when we have nothing, everything's been stripped away, and all we have to hold on to is Christ. That is for our best good. That is for our best good, for our good, because He gets the glory. He gets the glory. This is what this was His plan from the beginning of time. This was His plan from the beginning of time that He would take His people through a trial. He would take His people through a suffering. Through the Israelites would suffer in Egypt, so that He would show all. Of Egypt and all of the world. Who the God in Egypt was. Maybe today he is showing you. Who the God in your life is. See we're, we're not promised. A better anything. We're not promised. A safety blanket or a savings. We're promised a savior. That's Christianity. And I, I, I'm sorry but. On my way in today, I, mean, I was talking about this. Me and my wife saw her family in Knoxville. And we were driving in and I was just saying, you know, talking this, this out with her, you know. And yeah, I, was like, I think the, the thing that's so tough is that when we look out, we see news broadcasts. We see CNN, Fox News, whatever you watch. News 2, 5, 10, 12, whatever, right? We watch these things and we see these terrible stories and hear terrible stories of Coptic Christians being lined up on a beach and their heads cut off. We see stories of of pastors being drug out in the streets and stoned and their heads being placed on stakes. And I asked myself and I was talking to my wife I said I I just I think many times we buy into the wrong Christianity and and, and I think we need to see is that why would our lives be any different? Why would my life have any more value than that, that man who had more courage than I think I'll ever have in my life? He's boldly saying, Christ is my Lord, you take my life. You see, I believe that we're going through the dilemma that we're in right now in the Middle East with ISIS with the legalization of homosexuality across all of our nation states, I believe we're in the situation that we're in because God is drawing our eyes to Himself. But I want you to know something our God is not moved by this, He is not surprised by it. There's no scheme of man, there, there's no plan of man, there's no movement of man that is bigger than our Lord. There is none. He is the supreme judge and he's already spoken. And the incredible hope that we have in this room today is that although we're in a tough time maybe as for Christians in our nation, the Lord's showing us something through this. I believe he's purifying his church. I believe he's drawing the eyes of the true believers to himself. And not only in a national level, but in a very personal level today. Who is your king? Who is the God in your kingdom? He may be taking you through suffering, but he's always taking you through suffering for your good. For your good. When we, when we, are, when we suffer, we suffer, and we identify with his son, Jesus... He's sanctifying us. He's making us to look more like Christ in our suffering. He's refining us. He's strengthening us. He's giving us endurance because he's placing us in a position where we say, God, what is going on in our world? What is going on in my life? You're stripping everything away. And all I have is you. In that position is where my greatest good and his greatest glory meet. On my knees. God, I have no, no other anything but you. My Lord, my God verse twenty two through twenty three closes out this this portion of uh, of exodus chapter five, and what 's happened thus far, just to kind of recap, is that Moses has been called he 's been called out by god he 's been chosen by God through a burning bush with a message he 's been equipped to go before the the most powerful man on earth. And he goes before him boldly, preaches to, to, to Pharaoh, to the, the redemption of his people, of God's people. Pharaoh rejects, and suffering is brought on the Israelite people. Right now, what we're fixing to see happen, if you can't see it playing out in the text, maybe from a 30,000 foot view, as you've seen one through five, Maybe now you see that God is preparing a people. He's preparing a people for a display of His glory, for a display of His power. In your life, He may be preparing you for a display of His power. He may have ripped everything away, and He's preparing you for a season in your life where He is going to be made known, where He's going to show Himself true. He is a good, good Father. And right now, Moses and Pharaoh, they've, they've went before the Lord. They've, he's pleading with God, saying, God, the, my people, I was obedient, and my people are, are hurting, my people are, are in pain, my people are suffering. Why did you ever send me? How many times have we done that when results don't go the way we want them? God, why did you choose me? Why did you choose me? And the most epic verse in all of Exodus Look what it says here. Verse 1, chapter 6. It says, But the Lord said to Moses, now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. Not, not, what, not what you're going to do to Pharaoh, not what, what our nation's going to do to Pharaoh. It says, What I will do to Pharaoh. He says, I am, I am God. Don't be de- do not be deceived. Okay? Do not be deceived. I am God. For with a strong hand, he will send them out. And with a strong hand, he will drive them out of his land. God is preparing us for this next installment of Exodus. Where he is going to show us exactly who God is in Egypt. Exactly who God is in the lives of the Israelites. And maybe this morning, he's pulling at your heart. For the first time in your life, He is calling you to Himself and He is showing you exactly who God is. You thought it was your job? He pulled that out of your hands. You thought it was your family? He's moved things around. He thought it was your kids and whatever. They're rebelling. He's going to show us exactly who is God. My prayer is that this morning, if there's someone in this room that you've been playing God in your life, that He's brought you to a place where he is pulling back the blinds. Well, he is pulling back the blinders. And he is saying, I am God. I am the Lord. If that is you in this room this morning, I want you to know that upon your confession that he is Lord and belief in your heart, the Bible says that he is faithful and just to forgive you of all of your sins, past, present, and future. And he will be God of your life. Would you take everything off of his throne and get it out? Maybe today you you want to meet with a pastor. We'll be at the Next Steps area. We'll sit down and pray with you and talk to you about what that looks like. What surrender to the Lord looks like. How you can set up Him as the King and and, and Lord of your life. He will not share His throne. He will not share His throne. Maybe you're in here today and you've been going through some tough times. And I mean some, some really tough times. I have some good friends that have shared things with me that I can't even imagine how they're dealing with the thing that they're dealing with. And I know that I'm not deceived to think that my life is going to be hunky-dory the rest of it. There's going to be trials. There's going to be suffering for God's people. But I want us as a church to be encouraged that when we lean in to God, in those times, we don't try to make sense of those situations, but we trust in his sovereignty. We say, yes, Lord, you are God. You, you are the God, not just in Egypt, but in this universe and over my life. You rule, Father. If you're taking me through something, you're, you're holding my hand through it. You are faithful and just. You are a good, good father. Maybe we lift our eyes up to him and say, God, what are you showing me this morning? What are you showing me this morning? If you want to come back, one of our encouragers will talk with you, pray with you, seek the Lord's face with you. And as a church this morning, I want us to be, as we move into a time of response, Let us bring our sorrows, let us bring our pain, bring our our misunderstandings, our misconceptions, our our hurt. And we lay it at the feet of the cross to say, God, show me something. Be God in my life. Be my satisfaction. I don't want money. I don't want acceptance. I don't want family if that's my God. I want you, Lord. Be king for my good and your glory. Would you pray with me. Father, we love you. God, we thank you. Through this passage today, Father, you are not only drawing our eyes to a time where you're going to make a a grand deliverance, Father, a, a sovereign deliverance of your people. That Father, right now you are drawing our eyes to a a future deliverance, God. Father, you sent your son and as he suffered through the suffering of your own son, Father, you you brought about the, the greatest deliverance there ever was. When your son Jesus died in my place, died my death, and the death of all those in this room that would call you Lord. Father, we thank you for your sovereignty, Father, that in our trials and in the valleys that we walk through and in the, in the hard things that we have to deal with, God, that we have a God that we can lean into and press into. And, and, and Father, you, we don't have to make sense of it. We don't have to bail ourselves out from it, Father, but we can open our eyes and draw our attention on a Father and on a God, a good, good God. That loves his people. That wants the attention of his people. That wants the hearts of his people. Thank you that you sent your son Jesus. And as the Israelites have been suffering through this passage, Father, that the whole time you were pointing us to your son Jesus who would suffer. And only we, we see deliverance from Pharaoh, Father, but that... You give us deliverance from sin forever. Oh, how the, all of Scripture is about your Son, Jesus. God, will we love your Word? Would we behold your Word? Would belief in your Word lead to worship? Worship through giving, through going, through surrender. For our good and your glory. To your name we pray. Amen.